0: Welcome in to another edition of the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Alabama Crimson Tide news and information. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and joined with me today for a jam-packed episode. Golly, we've got a lot to get into, uh, obviously revolving around college football and college basketball, too, with Alabama coming off of a... Uh, three-game tournament in Orlando is Bama Central staff writer Joey Blackwell, who hasn't been on here in a few weeks. I know we've had a little bit of different guests in here. But, Joey, man, what, what a few 72 hours or so we've just come out of, right, a wild, wild, wild Iron Bowl, and then the news that just shocked college football, right, Lincoln Riley taking the USC job, leaving Oklahoma, and then obviously Brian Kelly now entering the SEC West and, you know, getting ready for future battles with the Crimson Tide. But uh, how's it going, man? Glad you're back on here and looking forward to Saturday's meeting between the Crimson Tide and Bulldogs.
1: Yeah, it has been a wild past few weeks since we last met, you know, had the Arkansas game. The all- Iron Bowl obviously was nuts, had basketball start back. You know, now obviously all these coaching changes over the past few days here just – so much going on and it's not over yet you know like you said we have the sec championship game in the football coming up this weekend number 16 alabama basketball plays number three gonzaga it's just a it's a lot going on in the realm of alabama athletics right now
0: it's a lot and let's go ahead and get into some of the housekeeping issues uh right here starting on alabama beats auburn four overtimes 24 22 we're not going to recap everything about it but we're just going to kind of set the tone and and what's the state of the crimson tide in the middle of SEC championship week, Joey? And for me coming out of the Iron Bowl, you know, it would have been a lot different had Alabama just absolutely just, you know, covered the spread against Auburn, you know, 1 by 21, just absolutely dominated. Rather than being a, yet and yet again another battle and being tested to the very last second, right? I would have a lot different feeling going into this Georgia game. I, I think in a lot of Alabama's uh, fans' minds too. I think I can speak for a lot of them is is there's a lot more confidence now against Georgia. And yes, there's some injuries, and we'll get into that. But the fact that you no know, Alabama just ran through a month outside of New Mexico State, Joey, where they were in a battle against LSU, uh, one by one by six points. Uh, they beat arkansas by a touchdown. They took Auburn had to go to four overtimes. So the last three or four games they understand what tight moments and tight situations are like in these ball games. And guess what? Georgia Georgia hasn't faced that. The last time Georgia was in a one possession game was back in week 1 against Clemson. So I'm interested to hear your take on that.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely uh Alabama's definitely had to fight and had to had to claw their way past the, past, you know, the past few opponents they faced and um I think that in the end, you know, it does benefit them. It does benefit them in some way just because they have faced adversity. They have had to come from behind and win games. They have had to experience those tight matchups. I think that, you know, the 97 yard drive kind of showed that Alabama, even when they're out, they're not really out. Obviously they came back and won that game against Auburn this past weekend. So, I think if anything, Alabama's said to overcome a lot of adversity. Obviously, now they're down to two scholarships backs, uh, running backs, potentially one if Brian Robinson can't make the trip this weekend. But I thought I was impressed with what Trey Sanders had to do on the, on the last you know few minutes for Alabama. So um, there's a lot of you know we've talked about the problems that Alabama's had all season, and they 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 haven't gone away. They're still there. You know, you talk about their offensive line as well, which is something that I'm really i concerned about for Alabama heading into this game where Georgia has an incredible, probably the best defensive line in the country. Um, so that matchup is going to be key. Um, it didn't work out for Alabama this past weekend against Auburn. Bryce Young was sacked, I believe, seven times. So just, you know, a lot of things that Alabama still has to work on and they only have a few days now to, to tighten things up. Um, this is the first game. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this on the podcast before, um, but this is the first game that Alabama has gone into being an underdog since the 2015 Georgia game. Um, back then, Georgia was a one-point favorite. Now, as of this afternoon, Georgia was a, is a six-and-a-half-point favorite for this weekend's game. Alabama has been able to, you know, of course, in that game in 2015, Alabama won 38-10, but I don't think that's going to happen this weekend. I think it's going to be a lot closer. Um, if Alabama is able to win, it's going to be really close, but Right now I'm leaning Bulldogs just because there's a this is a really, really solid Georgia team and Alabama has not had a good month of November.
0: Uh Bryce Young, where is he at in Alabama Lore after that drive, Joey? Because for me, I mean, this Alabama okay, Alabama really hadn't had <coughs> excuse me. Alabama really hadn't had that kick six moment right in Iron Bowl. Typically when Alabama wins. It's a blowout fashion in that in the, and in those big that big rivalry game. Um, yes, there was the drive with Greg McElroy. Um, yes, there you know there, there there's been some special moments here. Um, I think of the 2014 55-44 and Blake Sims and Amari Cooper went off, and that was the highest scoring Iron Bowl ever. Um, there's been some special moments, but for the most part, it's blowouts. Where does Bryce Young rank though in Alabama lore? Going 97 yards in that building against those fans, and then finding a way to win four overtimes later?
1: Well, you know, Bryce Young has been the favorite for the Heisman race um, for a, a large portion of the season, but he never really had a Heisman Trophy moment. If he wins the Heisman, I'm not saying he will, but if he does, I think that drive was his Heisman moment. It wasn't one singular play. It was just after a day, after, after you know, let's see, game six after 58 minutes, of playing time with just zero effectiveness on offense, being able to compose that drive and, um, and show uh, you know, a spark of album offense that we've known to see, we've come to known over the past season um, was nothing short of remarkable. Obviously, you know, credit goes to Ja'Cory Brooks as well for his two catches on that drive, um, including the touchdown. But no, I, I think that as far as where he fits into lore, I mean, it's the first <laughs> overtime iron bowl in history. So obviously when people think of that game a decade from now, 20 years from now, they're going to think of Bryce Young and associate him with that moment. And um, the kid's just a sophomore. He still has at least one year left to play. You know, Hopefully Alabama won't have to have a magical moment like that against Auburn next year, but I still think that it doesn't take away from what he was able to do. I think it was um, nothing sort of spectacular, especially in a game where a lot of Alabama fans thought we were going to be headed back to Tuscaloosa early after that one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's it's crazy to think about it, Get dating back to the Kick Six game in 2013. I mean, that that's what that that moment rivaled to me. Um, just the whole final, mm-hmm. you know, minute and a half of regulation, and then the four overtimes. That's what that moment rivaled to me. And it's it really is debatable, you know, which is now the greatest Iron Bowl finish of all time. Um, and it's just just because Nick Saban had so many demons in Jordan Hare Stadium, right? He's had a losing record his entire career in that place, and this team. You know, and I'm you know Nick has has very been very vocal in the media, especially on his radio show last Wednesday, going into Thanksgiving about how you know you self-absorbed fans y'all just need to enjoy a win, and that was the moment he was talking about because I think deep down he knows this isn't his greatest team, right? He knows there are some really fatal flaws with this team. But at the end of the day, they were able to give people a magical, magical moment um, that, that will not be forgotten. The ramifications of that game, though, Joe, you mentioned Brian Robinson getting hurt. Now he's questionable for the SC Championship game against Georgia. Alabama will resort to Trey Sanders as the starter if he can't go. And then, you know, Christian Leary, um, we saw at the tail end of the Iron Bowl back there. And then Des Moines Kennedy also played running back in the New Mexico State game. So Alabama, in terms of beating Georgia... In my opinion, Joey, they got to have some balance, and they got to get that somewhere in the running game because I think Bryce Young is going to be asked to throw the ball between 40, 50 times um, this game. I I don't think I'm exaggerating. It could be higher than 50. But um, they're going to have to get some balance, and that's hard to do against the Georgia defensive line with Jordan Davis, who's an absolute monster. They're going to have to really be creative and go really east to west instead of north to south in terms of their running schemes. Uh, but but to me, it's just it, it's it's hard to see that aspect of the game where Alabama is going to have success just because you know they couldn't do it against LSU, couldn't do it really against Arkansas for the most part, couldn't do it against Auburn. So th- there's already been a lot of asked of Bryce Young over the last month or so, and I feel like this is even more so coming in on Saturday, uh, responsibility on his shoulders.
1: Well, the last thing Alabama needs to do in this weekend's game is be one dimensional, um, which unfortunately they might, they might have to be just because of the running situation. But that being said, um, Trey Sanders definitely adds an element that um, to, to this running game. Um, I think he's a, uh, I've been clamoring all season that he's been underutilized by Nick Saban. We don't know why, you know, maybe he still has some injury problems that we're unaware of, but I don't think he's been used as much as he should have been, especially in games where the run hasn't been effective. Um, But like I said, Alabama does not need to be one-dimensional. They can't rely on Bryce Young too much just because of how stout this Georgia defense is. Um, Now, that being said, it's going to be really hard for them not to be because this Georgia defensive line highlighted by Jordan Davis is so good. The offensive line is probably going to struggle to give not only Bryce Young time to throw the ball – but also give Trey Sanders large enough gaps to run through. Um, The defensive line for Georgia is really good at penetrating and getting to the backfield. They're really good at plugging up holes. It's been a problem for opposing offenses facing Georgia all season. I don't think it's going to be any different unless the offensive line shows some massive improvements over the past few weeks. Um, but, but, you know, uh, if, if Alabama is able to not be one-dimensional, if they're able to mix it up, if they do have some effectiveness on the ground, that'll really help them out. Um, I think the same thing goes for the other, for the other side of the football, though. I think Alabama needs to force, um, Georgia to be one-dimensional. I think they can, um, I think Alabama, you know, they have a really solid, um, uh, r- rush defense in Alabama. I believe they rank us. Uh, I think think it's sixth in the country in rush defense. Um, I believe that's the case. It's, it's somewhere in the top ten. I know that much. Um, and so I think that if they're able to stop Samir White and Georgia's rush um, rushing attack, and force Stetson Bennett to throw some balls he doesn't want to throw. Um, I think that could be a, a secret to success for Alabama. So it kind of goes both ways on both sides. Alabama needs to not be one-dimensional on offense, but at the same time, Alabama's defense really needs to force Georgia to do that.
0: Look, this is where this game comes down to is Alabama's defense. I think, I think honestly, Joe, there's more pressure on Alabama's defense. And that's mm-hmm. because you know, they, they've been playing better of late. They they really – I mean, they played exceptionally well against Auburn for the most part. There were some lapses in Arkansas – I mean, against Arkansas. There were uh, – you know, they were really stout against LSU, right? LSU's main – I mean, its first touchdown came really on that fake punt. But, I mean, outside of that, and really since the second half of that uh, A&M game, you know, Tennessee was in there too. So, they've been up and down, but really good over the last month or so. Um, and, and I just think at the end of the day – You know, these two teams, they know each other like the back of their hands. They're built very, very, very similar. I mean, now both quarterbacks, they have different skill sets. Bryce Young, the more athletic one, can really, really, really stretch the field with his arm. Stetson Bennett's kind of, I mean, he's shown a little bit that he has that rushing ability. But for the most part, if Alabama um, can really get to the quarterback like Will Anderson has shown to do all year, He's a statue back there. I don't see Stetson Bennett evading Will Anderson or even Dallas Turner or even Fieldarian Mathis. I, d- I don't see that happening on Saturday afternoon inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think Alabama's defense is really the key to this game. And I know everybody wants to talk about the offensive line and, and how it's been weak, whatever. But I, I, like I said, I think this is a game where there's so, there's so much familiarity that this Georgia defense and Alabama offense, this is what Alabama goes up against in practice every day, right? And you can say, say similar things about uh, Georgia's offense as well going against Alabama's defense. But I think the key really is on Alabama's defense, can they do what they forced Stetson Bennett to do last year? And that's turn the ball over, right? They, they, they had five or six batted balls at the line of scrimmage. That's a large part due to uh, Stetson Bennett's height. Uh, he, you know, he's not a very tall guy. Um, and, and I just think that ability, there's an that, that right there gives Alabama the edge Um, in in my opinion on that on that side of the ball but you know you also have the kirby smart versus nick saban factor and another thing that nobody to me is really talking about and it's it's really frustrating honestly joey georgia has led alabama in their last three meetings at halftime of all three games alabama's won all three games and that's in part because that's all a part because of coaching adjustments right nick saban I mean, I still believe this to this day, and, I'm, and I know I'm going to sound crazy here, but I still don't think Georgia is going to win the national championship. I think Kirby is still at a ceiling as a coach, and I think, I think Alabama is going to win this game on Saturday, and I think a large part has to do with Nick Saban being on that sideline uh, because there is, there is a coaching mismatch in this game. And Kirby, he's great hands-on defense. I, I, I love what he's done at Georgia. He's built a really good program. But when the going gets tough and when adjustments need to be made over time and over history, even in this series, between these, between these two coaches, Nick Saban has had a clear, clear, clear edge over his, uh, over his former uh, mentee.
1: Well, it's definitely been a storyline for the Georgia media all week this week. Um, every teleconference I've been in, it's uh, where the Georgia media have been present. They've been asking people – or, excuse me, not asking people, asking players and coaches – you know what they think about this six-game streak that Alabama has dating back to 2008. And you're right. You know, over the past three games, uh, Georgia has trailed at halftime, and Alabama's ended up coming back. Um, I don't see a a quarterback swap like we had like we saw in the in the first two games that Kirby coached against Alabama. I don't see it's taking out Bryce Young and putting a, a Paul Tyson in there. But uh, I do think that Alabama does have they do have a shot. You know, and I think it goes back to you know what you said about Alabama's defense. Um, By the way, uh, in the while you were talking, I did look it up. I was I was wrong. Alabama is fourth in the country in rushing defense. They allow about two point six yards of carry. So a minor correction there. But um, Georgia, you know, while while their offense is a a solid offense, they really haven't had to play. You know, we talked about one possession games and their only one possession game was the, the season opener against Clemson. Georgia hasn't really had to face a defense as, as solid as Alabama's all season. I mean, they have had to face some definitely some some tough defenses, but nothing in the nothing in the realm of Alabama. I mean, Alabama's the only team in the country right now um, that's ranked in the top 10 in both total offense and total defense. And Georgia hasn't had to play a team like that. I mean, you know, when in week one, when they played Clemson, everybody was like, when they beat them 10 to six, nobody, I think it was 10 to 6. It might have been 10 to three. I can't remember right now. Um when they, when they beat them by the – I'm sorry? It was 10-3. 10-3, okay. When they beat them 10-3, nobody really batted an eye because everybody thought Clemson was going to be Clemson. Um, and Clemson turned out to kind of be a bust this year um, after losing so many players, uh, including Trevor Lawrence. But since that game, they really haven't had to play a defense that's been as tough as Alabama's. And I think it could really – um, surprise uh, the Georgia offense and Kirby Smart um, obviously we have we, it you know there's still a few days to kind of uh, prepare for that but I do think that it's it, it could be a surprise I I still I still give Georgia the edge in this game I my heart won't won't uh, outweigh my head in that in that pick but um, I, I do think that Alabama does have Alabama's a better team than people are giving them credit for let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah, and, and that that's where I'm getting at. is like everybody and their mother is on Georgia minus six and a half right now. Mm-hmm. Alabama, I mean, Alabama just isn't going to allow Georgia to walk over them. Do, I mean, do people seriously not think this? There's too much experience on that Alabama defense to let this rushing attack by Georgia, which is stout, just waltz all over them, right? I mean – Christian Harris is going to have to say he's gotten lots better of late. Henry Toa Toa has gotten lots better since the beginning of the year. Will Anderson is still Toa
1: Toa has been really good. Toa, Toa has been like the highlight of, aside from Will Anderson, Toa, Toa has really been the highlight of the defense this, this I just, November. He's really I, I, good.
0: I mean, what, do, how does that, Al, also on the flip side too, there's so, there's so many great players in this game. You know, how does Alabama neutralize Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean? But how does Georgia neutralize Will Anderson? And these Alabama linebackers, I, I think that they're going to have a say, um, and they hear the noise. You know, Nick Saban's next Nick Saban's speech that he gave on the radio, or rant that he gave on the radio show. That I, I think that that really fired the players, man. He was defending them, and I think I think they can go into this game. They can play free, they can play loose, um, and they, they don't have to have any pressure, right? Because they've already lost a game earlier in the year. I think all the pressure is on Georgia, even though they are in win or lose, and Alabama more than likely needs to win this game. Uh, to get into the college football playoff. And we'll see how the rankings shake out on Tuesday night. But I also fully expect uh, Michigan to to jump Alabama, go to number two, take Ohio State's spot, and Alabama to be three, Cincinnati to be four. But, Joey, as as we continue the conversation on this game, um, I, to me, I, I just – I think Alabama, this Alabama team, right, Nick Saban knew it's ceiling. He knew what he was getting, right? and st- even and yet even still they've got an opportunity to go play for a championship this is what you want at the end of the day right i mean who 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 cares how many points by you win by each week it matters about getting a win and they have done that and so i this i mean this game there's so many different angles we can continue to go from but i i guess the matchup that i'm most excited about sorry about the technical technical difficulties there joey but the, the thing I was going to say is that I'm most excited about some we really haven't even mentioned yet is Georgia's secondary versus Alabama's passing attack. And Jamison Williams, I think is the difference maker here. As in, I think, I think for Alabama to win this game, they're going to have to take their shots early and they're going to have to find ways to get behind the second and third levels of this defense and I think they can do that with Jamison Williams. You know, he's shown all year he can take the top off the defense, four touchdowns of over 75 yards or more. Now, the the reason why the Iron Bowl went into four overtimes is because he wasn't out on the field. You know, he got the targeting call, and I know Alabama fans are thanking God he didn't get the targeting call in the second half because he'd be missing the first half of this game. And that would, oh my, that would that would really put Alabama behind the eight ball. But I think Jamison Williams is the X factor in this ball game.
1: Oh, the reason I just laughed when you said that was that was the, the point I was going to bring up. You know, the Alabama fans should be very grateful that happened in the first half and not the second. Um, but no, I, uh, I, I think Jameson Williams is going to be a key factor in this game. Um, I think it it also heavily depends on if Bryce is able to find him. You know, we, we've, we've seen a far too often when Jameson gets free down the field, Bryce will overthrow him or underthrow him. We've seen that quite often, too. So if Bryce is able to perfect that long ball pass to Will Jameson and finally figure out his speed, that could be a huge factor uh, in the game. The the matchup that I'm most excited to see, though, is how Alabama's offensive line deals with Georgia's defensive line. Um, it, I the That's one of the, Alabama's key struggles over the past month, really, um, and not being able to get him protection, uh, Bryce Young protection, that is. Um, I'm also interested to see how they – how they line up on offense. I think McLaughlin did a, did a decent job being put in um, this past game against Auburn. Um, Damien George has struggled. Evan Neal has been consistent as always. Evan Neal a is, is, uh, done great work for Alabama this year, but Dalcourt and, and, and Damien George really could use some help. So, I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out and how they're able to provide protection and if they're able to make holes large enough for Trey Sanders. Um, I think that really the battle in the trenches between Alabama's offensive line and Georgia's defensive line is probably going to be the difference maker in the game.
0: And, too, another thing is the most dangerous thing in college football is an underrated Nick Saban team and a team that's getting no benefit of the doubt. They're just getting crapped on. This, I mean, like I said, people just watch. Everybody I talk to, Joe in the media, oh Georgia, Georgia's a lock. Georgia's the. George, people are underestimating this team because of how Alabama's looked. And Alabama, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. like I said, if Alabama comes out here and they win by a touchdown or more, but um, I do think this is going to be a nail biter. And you said you took Georgia. You're leaning Georgia. Um, I really convinced myself that Alabama's going to win this game. That's where I'm at right now. And we'll leave it at that. And we'll wait till Friday's show to dive even more in detail. Um, and also the other conference championship games as well in the college football playoff landscape. Joey, let's let's talk about some of these coaching moves, and then we'll get into basketball, and then we'll be done here. Brian Kelly at LSU. Let's start off with that one. Uh, this is a move that's just excellent, in my opinion. Uh, they're going out and getting a proven winner, a guy who's won at every level of college football he's been at, a guy who who was who was dealt with so many recruiting limitations uh, because Notre Dame puts puts limits around itself due to its academics and people want to tell me all the time oh tyler oh his record in big games oh and seven and bcs bowls or world playoff games guess what screw that he didn't have the talent level to compete at that level to beat an lsu team to beat an alabama team to to do that right he didn't have the, the talent level to compete with those guys now the one thing about brian kelly i've always respected is that he can recruit in the trenches he has been a great recruiter on the offensive line. and He's been a – he's developed a pipeline to the NFL at that position. He's done an outstanding job. Um, If he can get his offense right, if he can get the right offensive coordinator, which looks like it's going to be Tommy Reese coming over from Notre Dame with them, and then if he can get Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, who a lot of people want to, to be Notre Dame's next head coach, if he can get him to be the D.C., uh, this, this Notre, this LSU staff is looking pretty deep, but LSU got this right. Joey, uh, Brian Kelly, Notre Dame's all time winningest coach spurning the fighting Irish and coming down to Baton Rouge. This is, again, I can't tell you how much of a good hire this is. I don't really care for Brian Kelly, the person or the human being, but as a football coach, it's a damn good one.
1: <laughs> and I, I couldn't, uh, you know, apparently as today's, this day we don't, we don't agree, uh, which provides some good discussion. Um, I don't think Brian Kelly was a good hire at Notre Dame. Um, I, I'm sorry, at uh, LSU. I think it was kind of a a, a, a panic um, hire by LSU. Um, they couldn't get Jimbo Fisher. They couldn't get Lincoln Riley. So they went for the next biggest name they could find, which was Brian Kelly. Um, I don't I, – I, you talked about his recruiting. He did do a decent job recruiting at Notre Dame, um, despite their academic um, you know regulations they have there, and despite being a team based in the Northeast, which is – Typically, you know, a, a place where you're not going to have it's hard to bring players from the south up there, but he's going to be um, at LSU. So first things first, LSU wanted uh, if you're a coach of LSU you, you, or if you're LSU, you want to hire somebody that knows the area. Brian Kelly does not know the area. Um, Brian Kelly's going to have to now recruit Louisiana. Obviously, is a hotbed for really, for really good college football talent. But you're now going to have Jimbo Fisher looking in, in Louisiana. You always have Alabama looking in Louisiana. You have Lane Kiffin. He's go, um, you have Texas, Oklahoma. All these schools that are there always recruit, uh, try to recruit from the state of Louisiana. And now Brian Kelly is going to have to compete with all those coaches. I don't think he's going to be able to recruit um, to the same caliber as those other coaches are. So I think that's going to be an issue there. Um, I think, like I said, I think this is a panic hire, from, but from another perspective, I think LSU might have hired Brian Kelly because they wanted a guy with a relatively uh, squeaky clean image. Um, I, I think that with all the scandals that LSU has gone over uh, um, over the past, you know, half decade or so, I think they wanted a guy that didn't really have anything attached to him. I know there was the incident of a, um, of, of a person dying um at at the at the at, during a practice but aside from that Brian Kelly's a squeaky clean guy and I don't I, I think that was another motivating factor for LSU hiring him I uh his record is proven don't get me wrong he did do a solid job at Notre Dame he had, does have that proven record but at the same time he's going from an independent school who's never really had to play a tough schedule to LSU which historically has one of the toughest schedules because it plays in the SEC West. And I, 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 I wish him well, obviously, because the better LSU is, you know, the better the game against Alabama and the better stories that come out of it. But um, I I do think it's going to be a struggle for Brian Kelly at LSU, at least for the next several years.
0: Not to mention though, that the conference will be realigned to some extent and, and the divisions will be shaken up. So the SEC West might not be what it is, you know, two years down the line really went when Oklahoma and Texas uh, joined the party. But this was, a, and I talked about this right when they, right when they announced that coach O and LSU were separating, I said, LSU is going to have to get this right recruiting wise, because if you get this wrong, this is going to set your program back years from now. And guess what? I, I still believe they got it right. And another thing people have to consider is is that the last three coaches there, who, who in Baton Rouge? Guess what? They've all won national championships. Les Miles, moron, absolute idiot. He won <laughs> a national championship. Coach O, another blabbering buffoon who's made a mockery of himself since they won the title in '19. He still won a national title. He cared too much about off-the-field issues and what his life was like. That the, all the all the glitz and the glam over that over than actually winning about caring about football and winning games. And guess what? He still won a title. Now, you're telling me Brian Kelly, who has dealt with so many academic uh limits on his recruit on the guys he could recruit, now he's pulling from the talent in the southeast and especially the state of Louisiana. And he's, he has millions of dollars in resources, he has world class facilities. This is a way better in the boosters to really back whatever he wants to do. I mean, this is a match made in heaven, in my opinion. And I think Alabama fans shouldn't – I'm not going to say they should be fearful or they should be – worried. I mean, I'm not going to go to that extent. But I do think this is – LSU is now – this is stability. This is what this gives them. They didn't have that with Coach O. You didn't have that with LSU. You have stability now. And, again, this is a move that has sent shockwaves throughout college football and put the rest of the SEC on notice that LSU um, is is a major player for years to come. And I think – and like I said, Joey – If This is how confident I am. If I had the opportunity to do this, I would. I would put a mortgage payment that Brian Kelly wins a national championship during his time at LSU over his 10-year contract.
1: Over 10 years, possibly. I don't think it will be in the next five, though. I mean, you also have to deal with um, the players at LSU. Most of them didn't go to LSU to play for LSU. They went to LSU to to play for Edward Orgeron. And with order on leaving and there being such a dramatic difference in not just personality but also coaching style, you're going to have a lot of commits, I think, decommit from LSU and try to, f- try to play elsewhere. You're also going to have a lot of current players probably enter the transfer portal over the next couple of months. Um,
0: they already have. There's already been a lot of guys transfer out when the o- Coach O news dropped, you know, so, uh, two months ago. You know, yeah. Eli Ricks is another one. Uh, you know, they're All-American corner. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't look like he's coming back, but the good news is on the flip side of that, it's never been easier to rebuild a program in college football with the transfer portal. It's never been easier, um, and, okay. and that's, why, that's why I think uh, you know, Lincoln Riley at USC is not going to have an issue at all getting that program built back up to where it should be, and that's why I think Brian Kelly in year one next year, they're going to have a really, really good shot to win eight, nine games in year one, uh, maybe even ten just because of the talent, then the talent, then the transfer portal that he's going to be able to lure in.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And if he can bring some players from Notre Dame with him, that could also help them out. But um, I, it's going to make for a great SEC media days, though. And Lord knows there will be plenty of storylines next year when Alabama plays LSU because of Alabama's most recent matchup with actually past two uh, matchups of Brian Kelly have been Uh, interesting games. So, (laughs) well, maybe not interesting, but uh, lopsided. But that will definitely be a good storyline to write about. I
0: still can't wrap my head around that the all-time winningest Notre Dame coach who's been there 12 years decides to get up and leave to go to LSU. That's hard to wrap my head around because it's the only – it's the first time ever that a Notre Dame coach left to go to another Power Five school. Like, that, he wasn't fired or anything like that. It's just that he got up and left. And it just proves it's an indictment on the job that Notre Dame is now you can't win national championships in Notre Dame now you, you can't win at the highest level yes you can get into the dance yes you can you, you can come you can semi-compete right you can go 11 and 1 you can go 12 and0 with a, with a bad schedule and somehow backdoor your way into a playoff but you're not winning it and Brian Kelly's move it translates to the fact that Notre Dame It might not even be a top 10 job in this sport anymore.
1: Well, yeah, factor in academic regulations and on top of that, you know, Notre Dame not being in a conference. I think when Notre Dame joined the ACC last year for the COVID season, um, I thought that was a move that, you know, was in the right direction. And I thought that we could see them potentially be a permanent member. Obviously, they went back to being independent. Um, but I think that's another thing that kills them. I think them not being in a Power 5 conference and remaining independent and not having the, a regular schedule every season outside of a few rivalry games, I think that's really come back to haunt them in a way. Um, it does give them that freedom being able to pick and choose who they play every year, which is nice. But at the end of the day, if you, know, Notre Dame's uh, typical rivalries, like you know, I, when I think of Notre Dame, I think of USC, which is a, a team that's on the rise now with Lincoln Riley, but you know, over the past decade or so has been relatively irrelevant in college football. Um, when those are your toughest games uh, of the season, you're not going to be able to get, at least, you're going to be able to get into a playoff as we saw with Notre Dame last year, but you're not going to, they're not going to have any stiff competition over the course of the season to get them ready for a playoff. As And we saw what Alabama did to LSU in the first round last year. So, um, uh. I think that's really hampered Notre Dame, um, but that's kind of getting a little bit off topic here
0: <laughs> yeah, no and 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 just kind of just touch on Lincoln Riley and USC I, I mean I'll just tell you real quick what I think about that very brief i think I think the outrage from Oklahoma fans is justified. I think mm-hmm. the greater signs that we saw on, on their campus, all over social media, I think that's validated, and I think Lincoln Riley's scared of the SEC. I think it's 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 cowardly. I think it's semi-smart in the fact that okay, you can go and, and be in a conference where your your biggest opponent's Oregon. Um, you can and you can backdoor your way into a playoff again by winning the weakest Power Five conference. That's just, at the end of the day. That's what it is. It's a cowardly move, and, and that's all I'm going to say about Lincoln Riley.
1: Yeah, you typically don't see you know. Oklahoma was on the rise, obviously. I mean, well, on the rise, people have been saying they're on the rise, but they've been relevant for ever since Lincoln rally has been there. They've been a, even with, even in the stoops era, they were still relevant. They were still contenders. Um, And to leave an established program for a team that, I mean, it's, it's, you can't, I mean, to, you can't, it's hard to talk about USC because USC is one of those historic programs that has just been fantastic over the course of college football history. But obviously, you know, there's no, there's no two ways about it that they've been struggling over the past decade or so when they had Lane Kiffin, they didn't do very well with Steve Sarkeesian there, they didn't do very well. Um, and now they here's a guy you, you don't see very often a, a guy go from a established um, team that's on the rise that if he had been there, they might win a national championship over the course of the next few seasons. Um, Go from that to leave, to rebuild the program. Do I think that Lincoln Riley was afraid of the sec? I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm not going to say he was, but it definitely has the optics that he was. Um, I I'm interested to see (laughs) what he says um, after we, you know, we, we actually get the, hear him for a little bit I know he was he spoke to some media outlets earlier today but I didn't have time to actually listen to them but I'm interested to see because one of one of these days that question is going to come up and I can't wait to hear his response
0: yeah we're not going to know if he really ran from the SEC unless he says it right um, we're, mm-hmm. we're never, never going to know that until he admits that. And maybe he will one day, because, like I said, I, I just think it was a cowardly move. And Oklahoma fans, you deserve to be mad because now your situation and your program is nearly in shambles. You didn't talk about panicking, Joey. You mentioned LSU pan Oklahoma's panicking right now. No. Oklahoma—they thought they were in a great position before they joined the SEC. Now they're not, and um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, that's just a, that's a program Alabama will have to keep its eye on down the road uh, for future SEC matchups. Lastly, Joey Alabama basketball. They went two and one in Orlando, lost to Iona and Rick Pitino, thirteen of twenty-five at the free throw line, and then you know they beat Drake, they beat Miami, absolutely skull dragged Miami. JD Davison really had a coming out party that game. Keon Ellis with the Sports Center top ten dunking that game. Man, has he been good or what? Um, Alabama now is gearing up for a trip to Seattle to face Gonzaga. On Saturday, right after the SEC football championship, it will go into Alabama Gonzaga. So it should be a fun day for Alabama fans and people who cover Alabama. I'm looking forward to it. And Gonzaga, you know, them losing to Duke, Duke's a damn good team. And then Gonzaga on Monday night, almost blowing it to Tarleton State. They, 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 were, they were down in the, late in that second half. Kind of gives me hope, man, that Alabama can really can really be competitive in this game when they still are trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, this Saturday has the has the uh, opportunity to be one of the greatest days in Alabama athletics history or one of the worst days in Alabama athletics history, uh, depending on who you talk to in the fan base. Um, It it really Gonzaga has struggled over the past couple of games, and uh, it really kind of opens the door for with Alabama's most recent performance against Miami. It really opens the door for could Alabama potentially upset, you know, the team that was the overall favorite to win the national championship last year. Um, made it to the championship game before they lost, uh, of course, to Baylor, who Alabama played later this year. Um, so it's going to be a fun game. Uh, uh, Alabama really, you know, they struggled against Iona, but they were kind of able to slowly turn things around. And by the time they got to Miami, the shots were falling. The defense was stout. They, sh- they did, it was a tight game in that first half, but that second half was probably the most complete half of basketball Alabama has played this season and I asked those the question after the game asked him how do you maintain that momentum over the course of a week without a game and his his response was you know we just need to maintain that mindset and how you go about maintaining that mindset is to you know perform well in practice to not lose that blue collar mentality and I see that team doing that this week Um, you know it's it's not easy to get up and get ready for a team like Iona but when you're facing a team that's you know, made it to uh, deep in the tournament, uh, you know, over the past few years, that's a lot easier thing to do. And I think Alabama can do it. Will Alabama win? Um, I think it's, a, I think it's, a, I think Alabama honestly has a bigger chance of beating Gonzaga in basketball than they do beating in Georgia in football. And I know that's probably contradictory to what you think and what a lot of other people think. Um, but I really believe in this Alabama basketball team, and I think they can get it done. Um, yeah. all the shots. shots are falling, defense is stout, just do what you know, do what you do best. And I think the Crimson Tide can prevail.
0: I love the, the, the five out there, you know, when it's JD Davison, Javon Quinterly, Keon Ellis, Gary, and uh, and, uh, and Charles Badiaka. Badiaka. I, I love that five. I, I love mm-hmm. that five. Jawan Gary, it was nice to see him back on Thursday in that Iona game. Free throws, man. Free throws are still an issue for some for this program. Uh, maybe maybe this program is just cursed at the charity stripe. I don't know. But I, I was getting shades at the UCLA game, watching the Iona game um, on Thanksgiving as I was eating dinner uh, with my family. But you know, Joey, th- this team. I mean, they're still gelling. They're still really really young in the season. And I mean, J D. Davison. What I saw out of him uh, uh, on Sunday against Miami, he's a guy that's just gonna be able to carry. I think this team at stretches. Like Javon Quinterly did last year, and Quinterly is still being that workhorse man. He's still getting his shots up. Shackleford, if he can continue to be, um, if he can continue to be, um, you know, just a shot maker and make some tough shots, hit some threes here and there. He's got to get better defensively, I think. Um, and then Charles Bediaco. I mean, I think he is the X factor in terms of Alabama has never had a player like him, um, and he had a great, uh, or I thought he had a great Orlando tournament in terms of his defense. I mean, my God, I mean – He's just, really
1: had an entire – he's really had a great season so far. Yeah,
0: in terms yeah. of <laughs> it's, a, it's just hard to score on him. And when you mm-hmm. get that pick and roll, whether it's Tim and JQ or him and J.D., uh, and he's coming downhill and, you, and, and, you, and there's not a man covering him, and then J.D. or JQ see that. I mean, he's just – he's dunking on your head. I mean, it's over for you. It's over for you, and that's angry Chuck. And I think angry Chuck versus Chet Holmgren on Saturday – And that Gonzaga game is going to be really, really fun to watch, right? Two Mm seven-footers going at it. Two different styles because Chet can really pass the ball. He can handle it a little bit – definitely better than Charles. But I I want to see if Chet can post them up and see what happens. And then, too, not to mention, you know, the other big guy for Gonzaga, Drew Timmy, Uh, see how he – how Alabama handles him. Because I think Gonzaga's size might be overwhelming at some parts of the game Uh, because when you have Chuck, you know, we're going to probably see Nate roll out Um, Charles Bediaco and Keon Ambrose playing at the same time Um, because I I don't know if if the two of Juwan Gary and Chuck is going to be able to really withstand Chet and Drew so I think we're going to see you know Keon Ambrose out there a lot playing with Charles and that'll be it's going to be an interesting game and man that game I I think if I had to pick a where I would want to be that day would I rather be in Atlanta or would I rather be in Seattle I think I'd pick Seattle
1: oh absolutely I would too I actually talked about Talked about that to our boss earlier today. Chris Walsh talked. He was like, I, he asked me if I was excited for this weekend. I was like, well, I'm sad. I'm going to miss the miss the basketball game. <laughs> talked about how I'd rather be there than in Atlanta. Um, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's you know, Battle Seattle is a is a classic annual game that. Um, you know, that hasn't happened in, in a little bit. And for Alabama to be playing Gonzaga, and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to watch it and hopefully, hopefully be able to watch it, maybe listen to it on the way home from Atlanta. We'll just have to wait and see how that timeline shapes up. <laughs> Big day for fans, though. Get to watch those pretty much back-to-back.
0: <laughs> well, that was Joey Blackwell of BamaCentral.com covering Alabama football, covering Alabama basketball, doing it all. Uh, For the good folks here at Bama Central, your Sports Illustrated home for all Crimson Tide news and information. I've been your host, Tyler Morton. This has been another edition of the All Things Bama Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And thank you for listening. Have a great day.